Beginning on December 4th and throughout the four Sundays, including today, uh, that lead up to Christmas Eve, these four Sundays known as the Advent season, we have been exploring songs that Scripture tells us precede and surround the birth of Jesus. So these songs are not the much-beloved carols that we sing on Christmas Eve, Joy to the World, Silent Night, O, o Come All Ye Faithful. No, the songs we've explored throughout uh, Advent and tonight are much more ancient because they come to us directly from Scripture and sung sometimes by people in the New Testament that we may not know especially well. On the first Sunday in Advent, we listened to the song of an elderly woman named Elizabeth upon greeting her young relative, Mary. Elizabeth sings, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. That song is known to us as the Ave Maria. And then two Sundays ago, we heard the song of Mary. We know this one a little bit more, uh, more concretely. She sings it right after Elizabeth has sung to her. It is a song called the Magnificat. And then uh, a week ago, last Sunday, we heard the song of Zechariah. And Zechariah is is the husband of Elizabeth, and Zechariah has received news that his wife, who is very old, and he is very old, they'll have a child, and he doesn't believe it, and so he can't talk for nine months. That's his punishment. But then, upon the birth of his son, John the Baptist, the forerunner of Jesus, he sings a song known to us as the Benedictus. All of these songs come before the birth of Christ Jesus, and so they are songs of longing and of hope and of anticipation. And this is what Advent is all about, watching and waiting for how God's crazy crackpot scheme will unfold. This morning, uh, and then tonight, we've heard two other scriptural songs which celebrate the actual birth of the Christ child, the one who is the fulfillment of those songs of yearning and hope. The very first Christmas carol was sung by the angels, announcing the Savior's birth, as we heard this morning, to, to lowly shepherds. And tonight, in our couple of readings, we've heard reference to a man named Simeon. And he sings the song of Simeon to the infant Jesus as his parents come to present Jesus as holy unto the Lord. If you have not heard of Simeon before tonight, that's okay. You may actually be in the majority. I actually first heard of Simeon when I was 10 or 12 years old because my dad composed a Christmas cantata that included a piece called the Song of Simeon. Now, like many of the younger people who are here tonight, 
I was probably not paying careful attention. As I sat dutifully through the cantata my father had written, as it was presented in our home church. But I do recall just how novel I found this name. Simeon. I had, I had heard of Mary and Joseph. I, have, I had heard of Elizabeth. I, but I hadn't heard of, of Simeon. In our usual retelling of the nativity story on, on Christmas Eve, we do not usually talk about Simeon. We, we usually stick with the Gospel of Luke. We read chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. And then we skip over to Matthew. And we heard that reading tonight. We skip over to Matthew. Uh, uh, and, and that's because Matthew is the only Gospel that shares with us the story of the wise men. And one of the reasons we like that story is because these astrologers, these we sometimes call them the three kings, we, we, we like the story because they are not Jewish. They are from the East, which means they are Gentiles, like us. The story reminds us that the scope of God's salvation, God's crazy crackpot scheme will extend far beyond the borders of the Jewish nation and people. Yes, it will certainly include, but expand. Now, Simeon's story actually reveals the same thing, but in a really different way. According to Luke 2.27, the the Holy Spirit guides Simeon uh, to come to the temple at the precise time that Mary and Joseph are arriving with their newborn. And Mary and Joseph have gone to the temple to fulfill a religious obligation. According to Jewish law, and because God had spared the firstborn Israelite children during the ten plagues in Egypt, God requires each firstborn child to be redeemed. And so observant Jews would journey to the temple to buy back their firstborn from the Lord. That is what redeemed means, to buy back. And while that can sound just a little bit odd, it is surely a good reminder to us that all that we have and all that we are is a gift from God. Amen? So as Luke tells us, Simeon took Jesus in his arms and praised God, saying, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. That is the song of Simeon. The culmination of this pivotal moment uh, that Simeon had been waiting for his whole life, which is certainly a, a lot longer than we have to wait during the four Sundays of Advent. Gifted by the Holy Spirit, Simeon knows that this infant is a light that is destined to penetrate every darkness. And Simeon's lyrics make it clear that God's salvation is not for his eyes only. 
and not just for his own people or his own nation. Simeon declares that this newborn baby is nothing less than the revelation of God's salvation prepared for all people. And so, like the the wise men's story, Simeon's song reveals the eternally expanding horizon of God's redeeming work. Simeon's words echo that angelic announcement to the shepherds uh, in the fields on the night of Jesus' birth. Do not be afraid. I am bringing you good news of great joy for all of the people. Now, the song lyrics of both the angels and of Simeon strongly imply that upon Jesus' birth, Jesus accomplishes something of a fate accompli. I don't know if I'm saying that right. But that salvation became universal. And some Christians affirm that perspective that because of the incarnation of God and Jesus, God will save everyone whether they like it or not. Now, to be really honest, I would not be terribly disappointed if that's the case. I think we have to be pretty unwell to hope otherwise. But I have to confess, I don't actually, I I can't quite grasp the idea of what one theologian calls unilaterally secured salvation. That a loving God would say something like this, you will be assimilated, even against your will. (laughs) A loving God, well, to my mind, cannot also be a controlling God. But what do I know? Still, whatever my discomfort with that idea, there is a more common idea The idea of legalistic exclusivity, which is so much worse and so much more perilous. Larry Osborne writes, I've grown increasingly concerned with the proliferation of new boundary markers and litmus tests. People regularly ask me if our church is missional. Bible-believing, gospel-centered, spirit-led, expositional, and a variety of other terms. But nobody asks me if we love Jesus. They want to know if we pass their particular litmus test. They want to know if we share their vision, their agenda, their code word. And Osborne writes that these boundary markers and litmus tests are not leading us back to to New Testament Christianity. What they are leading us back to is New Testament Phariseeism, which is simply the newest iteration of old school legalism. So what I find appealing about Simeon's lyrics and the lyrics of the angels it it, it seems to me that it sort of navigates the path of these two extremes, assimilation against your will on the one hand or letness test legalism on the other. As Simeon holds Mary and Joseph's baby 
gazing upon the wonder of the incarnation, Simeon declares that salvation is a gift prepared for us by God. And because it is a gift of God, it is not something any of us can manufacture on our own. And each of us, each and every one of us, just like Simeon, is invited both to receive and share God's saving love by living in the truth that God's love is not simply a gift for us. We, the special few, but a gift for all people. And my friends, this is the gift that we have the privilege to share, not just on Christmas, but with every new day. Such is the nature of God's crazy crackpot scheme. And so with the angels, let us remember each day that we have good news of great joy for all 